G'day everybody and welcome to episode three of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast. And today is very special because we're going for the first time overseas and we're going to Invercargill, which is in the, in the uh, South Island of New Zealand. And I'd just like to welcome Amy. How are you, Amy? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Greg? They're really good. Amy is a mother of uh, Madison, Maddie, who is two and a half, who was born with IAARM. And we're going to get Maddie to share her story, which is in chapter 33 of the book which is page 67. So over to you, Amy, go ahead. Maddie was born at 3.20 a.m. on Monday, the 4th of February. She was a tiny six pound, three ounce baby, but she had the most, the most perfect human I'd ever lay my eyes on. She was a very quiet, sleepy baby. At 4 a.m. the next day, I was awoken to feed medicine. I changed her nappy in an attempt to rouse her so she was awake enough to feed. And in that moment, I never expected our life was about to make another massive turn after having become parents for the first time. Madison had had a bowel motion and it was all up her front to the point they had to remove her clamp from her umbilical cord. The midwife and I investigated further as the words, has that come from where I think it has, came out of my mouth. Sure enough, it had. Maddie had no anus opening, and before I knew it, there was a pediatrician racing into the room as I was trying to wake up Maddie's dad to tell him what was going on. Maddie was whisked away to the neonatal unit, and I was left to wonder what had just happened. We pulled ourselves together and went to see our tiny baby, who now had lines in her arm and down her nose. As we walked in, the nurses told us to prepare to be medevaced out to a city that could help. So we went home to pack. We rang grandmothers to prepare them and the family and return to the hospital. But luckily there was a pediatric trained urologist doing a year's work in the hospital. So we received a medevac trip and Medi was to stay in the neonatal unit until a surgeon would come see us the next Friday. Friday arrived and we were all eager to hear what the surgeon had to say. He met us around 3 p.m. and said that medicine was okay and that they'd look at creating her a stoma when she turned three months old. We were also given a diagnosis of imperforate anus with rectovestibular fistula and told that her fistula was open and that all was looking good. We finally got to take our tiny human home. Saturday came and Maddie had gone back to sleeping a lot and being hard to rouse. She had thrown up some random looking gunk on her sheet, which concerned me, so I saved it for the midwife visit. The midwife came and I voiced my concerns about how she seemed to have gone backward and showed her the sheet. She said it was fine and that it should clear up in 48 hours. But if I was concerned and wanted to call the neonatal unit. Oh, that sounds like it's Maddie in the background. Yeah, she's hitting the book for the golf club. <laughs> no, thank you. Go watch your movie. My mum instincts were screaming at me that something was not right and my baby was not okay. When I spoke to Maddie's dad, he said, listen to the midwife. She knows what she's talking about. I tried to let it go and set an alarm to feed Maddie every four hours. Sunday morning rolled around and I was so excited to have a lazy Sunday in bed as a family for the first time ever. 
I got Maddie out of her bassinet and hopped into bed with her. I put my knees up to lay medicine against them and she projectile vomited the same stuff as the day before, but in a much larger scale. I freaked out and said I was calling the hospital because something was not right. Maddie's dad said, the midwife said, give it 48 hours. But I lay Maddie with him and walked out of the room and rang neonatal unit and explained what had happened and was told a doctor would be consulted and I would get a call back. Only five minutes had passed when I got the call back and was told to get down there as fast as possible and packed to be admitted. So 45 minutes later, I was taking my very sick baby to be seen and it was so much worse than I could have imagined. Her fistula had closed and she was aspirating. So essentially her poo was coming out of her mouth. Thank goodness the urologist was in Invercargill as they managed to decompress her and arrange a commercial flight the next day to Christchurch for surgery to create the stoma. By the time we arrived in Christchurch at lunchtime on the Monday, Maddie's stomach had ballooned up and she was screaming. The child who never made a peep was now inconsolable. That evening, she was decompressed again in the pediatric HDU unit by two surgeons and a bunch of nurses. They got well over a litre of stool out of our tiny, tiny baby, and she was much more content. Madison was booked in for surgery on the Tuesday afternoon and her, had her colostomy formed. I wish it, I could say it was all smooth sailing from here, but it really wasn't. At three months old, Maddie's colostomy needed a review. It is as it had sunken in and wasn't working. She was bypassing through the fistula, so it was a good thing she still had it. At six months old, she had her surgery, her pull-through surgery done, but it turned into a nightmare. She required two emergency surgeries afterwards due to her body trying to use, use the new opening of her instead of her colostomy. So they had to just detach the distal bowel and every few days, oh, and then a few days later, her mucus fistula got so infected it fell into her stomach, which also required surgery. I praise her surgical team as this could always seem to make things super hard, but they always managed to kick butt and sort her out. At nine months old, her colostomy decided to stop working for no apparent reason for a couple of weeks, which landed us back in Christchurch for a week. We got no answers, but eventually it started to work again on its own. During this time, Maddie was so resilient. Most doctors never believed there was anything wrong with her because she always played, smiled, gooed and guard at everyone. Again, another reason why I am so grateful for her team as the main surgeon always knew that medicine would be medicine regardless of how she felt or what was going on. We as parents learned a lot about strength and how to push on with this little girl because if she can, we can. At 13 months old, Maddie had her reversal done. Out of all the surgeries and hospital admissions, this one was the hardest. It really took a toll on her, and most of the time she just wanted to go and be herself, but obviously very sore. We'd lay down and rest a lot more than usual. It didn't help that it was the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic here in New Zealand, so tensions were high in the hospital and life in general. Once she started to bounce back, it was all on. She was trying to run out of the hospital ward every chance she got and trying to do rounds before the nurses. She had a few issues with infections and bleeding once we returned to Invercargill, but we managed to keep her out of the hospital. We have also still have a lot of out of the ordinary things going on with her bowel and stuff, but we just persevere as much as we can. Maddie doesn't know anything 
different and nothing ever holds her back. She is a tiny but fierce. She is the most amazing learner. She has a great sense of humor and an awesome imagination. She has a stubbornness that not many kids her age would know. And I truly believe that without IA or ARM, she wouldn't have any of these traits. It's been a hard road and there's still a long way to go, but we wouldn't have it any other way because she is the best. Oh, that's so beautiful, Amy. How did you feel reading that back? Um, quite emotional, to be honest, but taking me back to these times that now seem so far in the past. Yes. But also still our, still our present. And what's happened in the six months since you wrote the story with Madison? Not much, but a lot. So Madison is still having a lot of regular bowel motions. Um, and here in New Zealand, I guess there's not a lot of research and stuff done into the ARM side of things. So she kind of has been put in the too hard basket. Oh, really? Yeah. So this morning we seen for the first time a gastroenterologist. And how did that go? Um, well, he's put her on an antibiotic for 10 days, just in case she has some overgrowth of bacteria. Um, but I'm not sure about giving my two and a half year old an antibiotic if she doesn't have an infection. <laughs> um, yeah. And then he's going to go back and bump heads with the surgical team to see if they can figure out what's going on. But he believes it's her sphincter. Oh, really? So. Yeah. Have you, have you spoken to the colorectal surgeon who did the um, pull through and the closure? Um, we've had a lot to do with them every time something goes wrong. So at, at Christmas time, medicine had a surgery as we had fears she had formed another fistula because it looked like the poo was coming back from her vagina. Um, but it turned out she didn't think goodness. Um, so we've had a couple follow-ups with them, but they've kind of just said they don't know why this is happening. So we'll send you to someone else oh dear me uh unfortunately this is not the first time we've heard a story like this and um yeah this is why we we just have to increase the awareness and especially for pediatricians and you know colorectal surgeons all well, over the world as who... it stands medicine doesn't even have a pediatrician oh really yeah her pediatrician left in november last year and we haven't being replaced with another one. Oh, I don't know what to say. It just must be so difficult. Um, it's very difficult. Yeah, I, I really I don't know what to say, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, that it really upsets me that. And as I said, it's not the only time I've heard it. And it. Yeah. Oh, I believe that it's a very to, popular thing. This is why we just need to try and get specialists even if it's in one per country to for someone to refer to uh, yes yeah that business about being in a too hard basket that's just really really dis mm -hmm. disappointing and um yeah well hopefully with seeing the gi that that helps but you don't sound overly confident I'm not. I, I did say to the, the GI this morning that if I knew now what I knew then, Maddie would have never had her reversal done. 
really. because she had a better quality of life with her colostomy than what she has at the moment. And um, we've been trying to get her into kindergarten here in Invercargill, and we've been told that she's a health and safety risk because she needs more frequent nappy changes than a normal child, so that it takes teachers away from uh, the other children. Once again, I don't know what to say. That's just horrific. Like, we, we should never be discriminated against because of a condition that we had no choice of being able to be born with. It's just... That's, that's exactly how I feel too. And we live in a country where it's supposed to be equality and, you know, the code of rights and things like this. But already at the age of two and a half, my daughter's been told that she's a health and safety risk. That's so disturbing and distressing, to be honest. Um, yeah. Have you thought about any more going back to the stoma, like you mentioned? We have, yes. Yeah. So that was a, um, a, a conversation that the GI and I, I had briefly. He said, have you talked to her surgical team about it? And I said, well, that's how I've ended up with you because that's all I can see being the only way forward from here. Um, because medicine doesn't necessarily get constipated a lot, but she does. They don't want to put her on a medication to slow her bowels down in case it makes her go the other way and still doesn't have very good quality of life. Um, so if, if it comes down to it's the sphincter or the wrong placing of the new anus opening, then we will probably be going back to a colostomy and I will leave it up to her as she gets older if she wants to do the pull-through surgery again. Unfortunately, the redo surgery, the redo piece up is is more common than what people think. Like I know in some of the um, major uh, centres in America, in the colorectal centres, like sometimes a third of their patients are there to get the redo piece up done. So Yeah. Yeah, I've read a few stories about it, especially in little girls because it makes wiping hard. Um, and Maddie's also now had uh, she had a four-day stint in hospital uh, just over a month ago due to a raging E. coli urine infection that her CRP levels her inflammatory markers were the highest I've ever seen in Southland Hospital oh, for a child yeah she has to put up with so much and so do you oh yeah I mean like if she does it we do it it's just the way it goes it just sucks that there's not more help, you know, there's not more ears that are listening. There's not more um, doctors that are interested in learning long-term case solutions. Like, you know, when medicine was first born and, and it ah! Hello, Maddie. <laughs> say hi, Greg. Hello, Maddie. How are you? You good? Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, so precious. <laughs> um, she is so very precious um so she we were made out that when she was first born that they would create this new opening and she would be good as new you know like it had never happened and it wasn't until I did further research that I started speaking to her um surgical team about like not wanting Maddie to be going to school and being in nappies and you know what what would that look like and how would we get around that and um I wish then she had been more straight up with me that it's really just a game of hit and miss well that's what we're trying to do with our in the one in five thousand foundation and our community just to 
spread the awareness and getting people. Hello, oh, you're very chatty today. That's great. <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to, if we can create the awareness outside the our own community and for the medical community to give more resources, etc. It's it can only just help kids like Maddie with it's their right. future. Yeah. And maybe not make it look like it's so glossy and pretty. Yeah, well, anyone who reads a book can totally understand it's not that, don't they? With the stories. There's a there is a thread that goes through the stories and it's a, it's the reality, unfortunately. Yeah, yes, it's not cracked up to be what they make it out to be, you know. And I think if there was a little bit more oh, realness in it, and in the in the diagnosis, getting an actual realistic look at what it could look like as a parent of a child with ARM, maybe some parents would be inclined to do further research themselves or find. The, like foundation like the one in five thousand foundation look for support groups because i know of a few mothers that <clears throat> have got children here in, in the cargo or southland that have no idea what to expect and that's because the they've just taken yeah they're so important oh well it's you've been i really appreciate you joining us because uh Looking after a little one and doing a interview is not an easy thing, but you've done remarkably well, and it's it's really Thank been you very much. Oh, and Maddie, you've done very well as well. Oh, there she is having a drink. <laughs> having a drink. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, Amy. It's it's really great what you've what you've spoken about and read your story. I'm sure it's going to resonate with so many people in our community, as well as hopefully someone in the New Zealand colorectal medical world will hear your story and understand that you need the help. You just can't Absolutely. keep going the way it is because I can see how distressing it is and how unpredictable your Maddie's life is at the moment. Yeah, that's right. All right, Amy. So thanks right. very much. Okay. Thanks for having me. Don't, bye. That's, I'll, I'll just bye. Bye, Maddie. Say bye bye. Say <laughs> hey, bye. Bye.